It's time for Truth Unfiltered with Pastor Chad Harvey. Stand guard against hurts and things that have been done to you. Stand guard against grief. I was talking to a great couple of us last week who were into grief counseling, and they said, here's what happens to a lot of people. They'll go through a hurt or they'll go through grief, and that grief becomes their identity. And they get caught up in that cycle of grief, and they never break out of it. You ever somebody like that? You go to a small group and they're the ones that always suck the energy out of the room because they sit there sad, sick, and sorry and talk about me, my problems, what happened to me, how I was hurt, and that will kill your spiritual life. That's Chad Harvey. And welcome to today's broadcast of Truth Unfiltered. We're glad you're here. Pastor Chad is the teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, leading you to a deeper understanding of the Bible by putting the scriptures in context, emphasizing how God's Word applies to our daily lives. We invite you to join us and allow the Holy Spirit to bring truth unfiltered to you. And now, here's Pastor Chad. We can be an active church. We can have barbecue chicken fundraisers for the building. We can go set up a booth at the state fair. We can have, I know a lot of churches in this town, they got a lot of activity, but they're dead. And Jesus says to the church at at Sardis, you have a reputation of being a live church. You're a dead church. And beloved, I gotta give you some bad news. Somebody's gotta define a reality. Sardis is like the church in America. The church in America, y'all do realize it's dying. You do realize that, right? By every metric, the church in America is going downhill. We're dying and we don't even realize. We're high-fiving and moonwalking and celebrating all kinds of stuff. We shouldn't be celebrating. We're in a mess right now. Church in Sardis was in a mess. In fact, um, I think one of the saddest verses in the Bible, have you read this in the Old Testament? Samson, time after time, he'd wake up, go defeat his enemies, go to sleep, Enemies would come in, wake up, defeat him. And then Samson cut his hair. And his hair was not the source of his strength. His hair was a symbol of his walk with God. And when that hair was cut, it was symbolic that he had walked away from God. And it says the enemies come in, Samson wakes up, and he goes to fight the enemies like he's always done before. And the saddest verse in the Bible. And God had departed Samson, and Samson didn't even realize it. That can happen to this church. Spirit of God just takes his hand off this place and we don't even realize it. And that's what's happening to the church there at Sardis. Listen, in America, about 3,500 churches close every single year. We turn them into condos, we turn them into uh, bed and breakfasts or whatever. 3,500 churches every year in America die. There was a story published on, I don't know if you read this, it's kind of a fringy wacky left-wing blog. It's called the Washington Post. Have you heard of that before? And they, uh, they had a story a little while back uh, that the Gallup folks released their study of religion in America. And for the first time in history, church membership is now below 50% of the population. In 2000, almost 70% of people were connected to, uh, to a church or a religious organization. Now it's 47% and it's dropping quickly. In fact, one major liberal denomination that turned its back on God celebrated the fact a little while back that they lost 50,000 members last year. 
You say, why would you celebrate the fact that you've just lost 50,000 members? The leader said, well, the year before we lost 56,000 members, so we're dying. We're just not dying as fast as we once were. And that's the church in America. Somehow, someway, deadness has entered the body of Christ. And I'll be honest with you, church. I'm trying to be mean, but we can blame the secularization of society. You can do that if you want. You can blame how, you know, messed up society is. It's not society's fault. We're at fault here. 80% of the churches in America have plateaued or declining. I'm not going to tell you the name of the church. I'm not going to tell you when we went to visit. I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But Dawn and I, a little while back, went to a church on a Sunday morning. And it was, it, it, it bothered me greatly. There was a lethargy in that place. People would shuffle up on the platform, read a couple announcements, throw out a couple prayer requests, and they were all anatomy lesson. Pray for this guy's goiter, her arthritis, that guy's whatever. That's all it was. And it was just a dead, dead church. And I sat there, and I looked in front of me. They had the pew. You know, I don't know if we have. Do we have ballpoint pens in the chairs? The, the pews there, there was the ballpoint pen and stuff. You want to write stuff down. I remember sitting there in service, looking at that ballpoint pen, thinking, if I took that thing and jabbed it into my jugular vein, how long would it take for me to bleed out and just get out of this misery? I mean, it was, it was painful. Well, that's what we've done in America. We have taken the best news the world has ever seen, the most exciting walk the world has ever seen, and we have made it dead and boring. Somebody asked a young lady recently, define church, and here's how she defined it. Church is a group of boring people led by a boring man who teaches them how to be even more boring. I heard about a a deacon that actually died. He had a heart attack, and he died in the middle of one of the worship services. And they called the EMS to come and get the dead deacon. And they had to haul out five deacons before they got the right one. And so, and I'll say this, I'm not, I'm not trying to bash, this is not, this is not bashing denominations. This is, I'm not, there's Assemblies of God churches that are dead. I'll be honest with you, as it goes to the leaders, so it goes to the followers. I think if we want to see a mighty move of the Holy Spirit in the American church today, we pastors, and I, me included, we got to get right with God. Hey, the reason why we've got ice cubes in the pews is you got a polar bear in the pulpit. You get a dead man preaching to dead people. And I just think it's time for we pastors to get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ and show some passion. Listen to what Soren Kierkegaard, the existential philosopher, said. He said, a preacher who preaches without passion is like reading a cookbook to a dying man, to a starving man. And um, why don't I just say this? We got a lot of people who are coming maybe from different backgrounds, this denomination, that denomination, coming to Cross Assembly. We love having you. I will get this question or this statement every now and then. Love your church, love your children's ministry, love everything. I love your church. But why do y'all have to get so emotional? Why do y'all have to be so loud and jump up and down and get emotional? Why y'all having to sing Mexican on a Sunday morning? This is July 4th. Why do have to do that? Blah, blah, blah. Why y'all so emotional? Here's why, number one, some of us got saved from a devil's hell and we not gotten over it yet. Some of y'all gotten saved and you got over it. I don't want to ever get over it, church. Second reason, I don't know what your Bible says, but your Bible says you will love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know your heart is your center of emotions? I am very suspicious about somebody who says, I love Jesus Christ, but I'm not gonna show it. I don't wanna show any emotion. If I say to you, you know my wife, 
I love her. She's wonderful. She is a great wife. I just don't want to show emotions. Do you love her? Yes, my circuits are practically overloaded with love for my wife. You would, you would doubt my love for her, wouldn't you? And I just don't know how you can worship Jesus Christ and be excited about Jesus Christ, but not show it because I don't want to get too emotional. And so, what do we do if we're a church is dead or dying? If we're a denomination, if you're an individual that's spiritually or dead and dying, how do you get that passion for Jesus back? Well, Jesus tells us two things in this passage. If you want to get this passion for Jesus back, number one, pray for a move of the Holy Spirit. We need a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. And you say, where do you see that in this passage? We need a move of the Holy Spirit. I see it in two places. Number one, look at verse one. In verse one, it mentions the Holy Spirit. Do you know, every one of these seven letters in uh, the, the beginning of the book of Revelation, they all end with the same thing. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Okay, this is the only letter where the Holy Spirit is actually mentioned in the body of the letter. Do you see that there in verse one? It's ironic that Jesus is saying to a dead church, y'all need the Holy Spirit. Verse one talks about the seven spirits of God. Now, it doesn't mean that literally God has seven spirits. What, what does that mean? Well, we call this the heptatic structure of the book of Revelation. Over and over and over again, the book of Revelation, the number seven is brought up because Jews really respected the number seven. They thought seven symbolized perfection or completeness. And so when it says the seven spirits of God, this is the complete, perfect spirit of God. It's also probably an allusion to Isaiah 11 too that has seven titles for the one spirit of God. So we don't worship seven spirit. We believe there's one Holy Spirit, okay? Second place where I see the, the Holy Spirit inferred is in verse three. He says this, hey, church of Sardis, remember therefore how you have received. Church, y'all are dead, but if you wanna be alive again, remember how you received the word of God in the first place. Well, how do they receive the word of God? 30 years before, and we see this in Acts chapter 19. Here's how Sardis received the word of God. 30 years before, Paul went to the city of Ephesus. This is in Acts chapter 19. And Ephesus is the third largest city in the Roman Empire, about 250,000 people. And Paul wants to change that city. And there's only 12 Christians there. So he finds these 12 Christians. He said, I know you're born again. I got it. But did you receive the power of the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when, when you believed? They said, well, you know what you're talking about, the Holy Spirit. Have y'all read this before? And so Paul prayed for them and all 12 of them received this fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it says they spoke in tongues, they prophesied. And those 12 people went and they changed that entire city for Jesus Christ. 12 spirit-filled people turned a city of 250,000 upside down. Now, I'm not a mathematician here, but because uh, I never know what, I can't remember what to do with the decimal. So 12 out of 250,000 is either 0.0048% of the city or is 0.00048% of the city. I'm not sure which one. I'm sure one of y'all is gonna let me know afterward. But at any rate, <laughs> let's say it's 0 0.0048. 0.0048% of that city, 12 people, turn that city upside down. Cumulatively, with all of our services today in the North Raleigh campus, we've got more than 0.0048% of Raleigh. Don't y'all think we can change this city for Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit? 
Now, here's what it says in Acts 19.10. That move of God in Ephesus is so powerful, it spills over to neighboring cities. And one of those neighboring cities it spills over to is Sardis. So Jesus is saying to these people, so look, you need the Holy Spirit. Remember how you even started in the first place. A bunch of radical, on-fire people, passionate about Jesus Christ, came to your city from Ephesus, and they changed your city for Jesus Christ. Folks, we need the Holy Spirit. What Jerry Vine says is perfect. He says, what breath is to a body, the Holy Spirit is to a church. You take the breath out of a body, and you have a dead body. You take the Holy Spirit out of a church and you've got a dead church. In fact, some of y'all who may be new to Pentecostalism, modern Pentecostalism started in like 1907. There was a group of Christians who said, let's have a prayer meeting. They're in Los Angeles, California, and there's this little dead end street called Azusa Street and there's a barn there. They go to that barn, they clean all the manure out, clean it up the best they can, put some pews in there, stack some crates on it to make a pulpit, and they have a half-blind African-American pastor come and preach and he preached about Jesus and souls got saved and the Holy Spirit fell and we call that the Azusa Street Revival and it was incredible what God did there through the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm making this up, multiple times neighbors there in Los Angeles would call the fire department and they would say, you need to go over there. Why? Because there's a glow coming from that place. There's something on fire over there. And the fire department would show up and there's no fire. It was the glory of, of God settling upon that place. And in fact, I was talking to a man yesterday that one of his best friends is a man that's almost 90 years old. This man's grandfather was at Azusa Street. He said, my grandfather was an Italian immigrant Came over, was in New Jersey, he's dying. He has some kind of lung disease, terminal lung disease. And the doctor says, if you don't move to Arizona, where the air is different, you're gonna die. So this man gets on a train, he's going to Arizona. While he's on the train, he starts talking to a guy and he says to this guy, where are you going? The guy says, I'm going to Los Angeles. There's a revival going on at this place called Azusa Street. He said, you need to come with me. He said, God may heal you. And so instead of going to Arizona, he went with this guy to, to Los Angeles, to Azusa Street. And when he walked into that converted barn, immediately God touched him and healed his lungs. And he went back to his family, led his whole family to Jesus Christ. And now his family, almost 100, over 100 years later, are all in full-time ministry. It's just incredible what God did. Because when the Holy Spirit is there, things begin to happen. Now listen to me. God didn't, I'm going to say it again so somebody gets it. God did not give you the Holy Spirit so you would fall out on the floor and flop around like a perch on a pier. That's not why God gives you the Holy Spirit. God gives you the Holy Spirit to kindle a passion for Jesus Christ. We worship one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's job is not to call attention to himself. It's to ignite a passion for Jesus Christ in your heart. In fact, Frank Bartleman, who is one of the leaders there at the Azusa Street Revival, wrote this. Any work that exalts the Holy Ghost or gifts above Jesus will finally end up in fanaticism. Whatever causes us to exalt and love Jesus is well and safe, but the reverse will ruin all. The Holy Ghost is a great light, but it's a light focused on Jesus always for his revealing. Where the Holy Ghost is actually in control, Jesus is proclaimed the head. The Holy Ghost, his executive. We may not put power, gifts, the Holy Ghost, or in fact, 
anything ahead of Jesus, any mission that exalts even the Holy Ghost above the Lord Jesus Christ is bound for the rocks of error and fanaticism. The Holy Ghost will never draw our attention away from Christ to himself, but rather reveal Christ in a fuller way. We are in danger of sliding Jesus by the exaltation of the Holy Ghost and of the gifts of the Spirit. Jesus must be the center of everything. And if spiritually you find yourself in a dead place, pray for a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in your life to rekindle that passion for Jesus Christ. Second thing Jesus says to this church, this, this dead, he says this. Now, secondly, he says, look at the, in verse two, be watchful. In other words, stand guard. It's ironic that he's mentioning that to the church at Sardis. Like I said, Sardis was built on that plateau 1,500 feet, and they thought they were impregnable. Nobody's ever going to take over our city. And at least twice, maybe more times in, uh, uh, in, in B.C., that city was overrun by enemies because guards who were supposed to be guarding the city fell asleep because they said nobody can take over our city, and several times they did. And Jesus is saying to you and me and that church at Sardis, you stand guard against those things that can kill your spiritual life. Let me give you a couple of those things that you stand guard on. Sin. You, you think you can play it loose morally. You think you can dabble in the mess of this world and then come to church and be all right with God. I'm gonna tell you something. He is called the what kind of spirit? Holy Spirit. There's, I'm not saying perfection. I'm just saying those of us who want Jesus have got to love Jesus more than we love our sin. And I, it can happen to a church. It's happening to do, denominations. It can happen to you. The Holy Spirit says, you know what? I know where I'm not wanted. You don't want me. You want your porn. You want your Hollywood. You want all this. You want that. That's fine. I'll go find somebody else to bless. I'll find another church to join. But if you don't want me, I'll go somewhere else. That's really what the Holy Spirit says. And so we stand guard morally. Let me tell you another thing you got to stand guard over. And that's isolation. Isolation will kill you spiritually. I'm sorry, I've I've tried to hold this in, but I gotta say it today. I'm tired of Christians saying, you know, Pastor, we're gonna kind of keep playing it safe a little bit. We're gonna watch your services online and that will be our church service. Our church is gonna be me, my wife, eating a bowl of Captain Crunch in front of the computer on Sunday morning and that's church. That's not church. You go to Sam's Club, you go to Walmart, you can go to church. I just gotta be honest with you. Stop using the COVID thing. It's over. No. Pastor, no, 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 no. There's a Delta variant out there, and the Delta variant, it's over. Can we just stop using it as an excuse to not go to church? It will kill you spiritually to stay away from other believers. It puts out that fire. In fact, listen to this story, I love this. A member of a certain church who previously had been attending services regularly stopped going. After a few weeks, the pastor decided to visit him. It was a chilly evening and the pastor found the man at home alone sitting before a blazing fire. Guessing the reason for his pastor's visit, the man welcomed him led him to a big chair near the fireplace 
and then just waited. The pastor made himself comfortable, but he said nothing. After some minutes, the pastor took some fire tongs and carefully picked up a brightly burning ember and placed it to one side of the hearth all alone. Then he sat back in his chair, still silent. The host watched all this in quiet fascination. As the one lone ember's flame diminished, there was a momentary glow and then its fire was no more. Soon the ember that was separated from the rest of the fire was as cold and as dead as a doornail. Not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting. Just before the pastor was ready to leave, he picked up the cold, dead ember and placed it back in the middle of the fire. Immediately, it began to glow once more with the light and the warmth of the burning coals around it. As the pastor reached the door to leave, his host said, thank you so much for your visit and thank you for the fiery sermon. I'll see you at church on Sunday. (laughs) And the reason some of the fire has gone out is you've removed yourself from the body of believers and we gotta stand guard. Can I give you one more thing to stand guard over? Listen to this. Stand guard against hurts and things that have been done to you. Stand guard against grief. I was talking to a great couple of us last week who were into grief counseling, and they said, here's what happens to a lot of people. They'll go through a hurt or they'll go through grief, and that grief becomes their identity. And they get caught up in that cycle of grief, and they never break out of it. You know somebody like that? You go to a small group and they're the ones that always suck the energy out of the room because they sit there sad, sick, and sorry and talk about me, my problems, what happened to me, how I was hurt, and that will kill your spiritual life. Some of y'all, I love you and you've been through some horrible stuff. I get it. But at some point, y'all gonna have to move on. If you don't, it's gonna kill you. Some of you have not stood guard against that grief and that grief has consumed you and it will kill your spiritual life. And beloved, you ask me, how do I break out of that? There's a whole thing of talking people through grief and I I, I understand all that. But can I tell you, the first step of breaking out of that grief, hurt, pain cycle, the first step is to raise your hands and say, what was done to me was not right. What was done to me hurts indescribably. But the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away and blessed be the name of the Lord. What happened to me was bad and I'm so alone. My husband has left me. My wife has left me. But if all forsake me, you have said, I will never leave you and I'll forsake, never forsake you. I bless your name, Lord Jesus. And some of y'all here today, spiritually, you've grown cold. And I'm telling you, that thing has got to be broken through praise and worship. Praise somehow reignites that passion. Worship somehow stokes that fire. And coals and embers that have grown dead come together with other believers, praising the Lord Jesus Christ. And suddenly that fire springs to life in an atmosphere of worship. And people who were dead are now dead men walking. They come out of the tomb alive because Jesus is alive. And some of y'all have to make a choice today. Do you, again, do you still sit around sad, sick, and sorry, wallowing in your grief? Or do you praise Jesus and move on? One of my greatest examples of that, 
I love this. It's Psalm 148. Psalm 148 is called a post-exilic psalm. What does that mean, Pastor? That means it wasn't written by David. This psalm was written by somebody who either went through or, or, or was part of the destruction of Jerusalem. They've had family members slaughtered. They've had loved ones raped and killed. They lost their home. They lost everything. And they were put in captivity. And now they come back to Israel. They come back to the homeland and they have a choice. They can either do like some of y'all would do. Oh God, why did you let this happen? How could a good God let bad things happen? God, where were you in my hurt and pain? God, what's what? They can do that. Or they could say, it's time to move on. And we don't know who this person was, but one of those persons in the midst of their grief said, I refuse to be destroyed and die in my grief. And so what I'm going to say is praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him all of his angels. Praise him all of his heavenly hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him you shining stars. Praise him your highest heavens and your waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and it was created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that would never pass away. So praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, Kings of the earth and nations, you princes and rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, for he has raised up his people a horn, the praise of all the saints of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Thanks for joining us for today's Truth Unfiltered broadcast. We invite you to join us again next time for more great teaching from Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church of Raleigh. Celebrating over 20 years as senior pastor of Cross Assembly, Chad Harvey brings the truth unfiltered of God's Word to your daily life. Originally from Salisbury, North Carolina, His passion for reaching the lost, sending out spirit-filled agents to a global mission field, and equipping each member to lead their family in the amazing love and grace found only in Jesus has been the cornerstone of his time and leadership at Cross Assembly. Together with his family and a loving pastoral staff serving all throughout the week, they welcome you with open arms with any need, question, or request for spiritual guidance you face today. More than just a radio Bible teacher, discover the true blessing of joining God's family right here in the Triangle at one of our two campuses with a third coming this fall. Join us any Sunday for our online worship service at crossassembly.org. That's crossassembly.org. You'll be glad you did. Dream Center started back in 2014. Since then, it's been amazing to see how we started in more communities. And even through the pandemic, we grew from serving seven communities and ultimately impacting 57 communities over a short time. But watching the impact, it was the local churches that were stepping up. It was people like you that were coming out. You're serving, you're volunteering, and just pouring into the community for the sake of God's kingdom. Looking forward, we want to encourage you to be involved. If you're not familiar with us, go look at our website, RaleighDreamCenter.org. You can see all the places 
places where you can volunteer, you can help package the groceries in our warehouse. You can come serve out in the communities. You can play with kids and hang out. Or if you're in the recovery world and you, you know somebody, maybe you have a family member who's going through it and you want somebody to walk alongside them, keep the Dream Center in mind. Send them along to us. We'd love to, to walk that walk with people uh, because we love people and we believe that's where Christ called us to go. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, uh, we see the great response where Jesus was said, I, I, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. And just all of these practical ways that the believers are supposed to walk and operate and how it's truly serving Christ in those ways. Thank you for those that volunteer. Thank you for those that give to this ministry. And together we can continue having a long lasting legacy here in the Raleigh area. If you would like more information about Pastor Chad or Cross Assembly, visit crossassembly.org. Again, that's crossassembly.org. You're always welcome to visit us at any of our locations for Sunday morning services. You'll find locations and service times on our website. To support this ministry, text CROSS to 45777. That's CROSS to 45777. Join us again next time for more teaching with Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor of Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, and more of God's truth unfiltered.